seems to me that so irresponsible of us to allow these deer crossings to be in areas where these deer are so likely to be You just tuned in to three deer I mean, crossing the road at is one of the hot spots for deer being hit. In fact, this week alone, three have already been struck. Here, we'll be discussing politics, sports, documentaries, conspiracies, literature, and everything in between. It causes more deer-related crashes in November than any other month. And Texas is projected to have the fifth most deer-related accident <sighs> home after a long day. Country. I had the kids in the car on about 60 miles an hour. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Three deer crossed the road at noon. Well, I guess you're wondering where that title comes from. I hope through the course of this podcast series, at least this first season, you'll discover the answer for yourself. Of course, I'll drop a few clues along the way to get you started. You know, it's not uncommon for us to use animals to represent symbolic or, you know, archetypical characteristics that we as humans really think that we want. Like, for example, a lion or an eagle. You know, she got a heart of a lion. He has the eye of an eagle. You know, she's dirty as a snake. You know, Um, you know, it's not untypical. So when I came up with the deer and and it began going down the rabbit hole of, (laughs) no pun intended, going down the rabbit hole of, um, discovering what animal that I wanted to use to um, be a symbolic representation of this podcast, I came across the deer. Um, and I came across the deer from reading a newspaper. Um, actually, it was a, a clickbait. And I clicked on the clickbait. It talked about deer. And it was basically a forecast from Outdoor Magazine on what the deer season would be looking like, uh, you know, the hunting. So I want to give you a forecast uh, since we're going to be uh, our guest today is from Alabama. So here's a forecast from um, that's Outdoor Life magazine. Here's a forecast from uh, Alabama. Um, Of course, the species of deer that's in hunt is whitetails with an estimated population of 1.25 million. It's a lot of deer. Um, now, f- uh, from the fall 2019 to not the fall 20 harvest, they estimated that the, uh, the, this harvest data was unavailable. But hunters using game check reported a 14% increase in their harvest. So that's 14% more than 1.25 million, I'm thinking, of the estimated population. That's incredible. It's a lot of deer. The overall look, everything looks good from the 2020 to 2020 to 2021 season, says uh, Chris Cook. Uh, and he said he's a deer program coordinator for the Alabama Division of Wildlife and Freshwater Fisheries. Uh, he said, quote, deer are abundant across the entire state and the age structure of the annual buck harvest seemed to be increasing over the last several years. End quote. Whoa. This is his overall forecast, his outlook, according to uh, Outdoor Life magazine. So what are the potential fall 2020 hotspots? Well, Cook estimates that the entire state features some good hunting. That sounds good for Alabama. But deer number seasons uh, seems to be increasing in Alabama's northwest and southernmost counties. 
So Cook suggests that hunters look for Alabama deer. They use something called the Alabama Deer Rut Map. Check this out. Now this map, and I went on this website, and it's outdooralabama.com, just in case you're interested. <laughs> All right. And you go on this map, and uh, this, this website, and there is a map of where to track these deer. And how to get these the best um, bang for your buck as you're going out and you're on the hunt. I thought it was fascinating. Um, so let's get to our guest and see what he thinks about uh, college finances. That's one uh, thing that we can add on the list of being hunted. Don't you agree? Joining me today is Ronnell Ron Stewart. He is a native of Huntsville, Alabama. He received his formal education in the Huntsville City School System. He holds a Bachelor's of Science degree in Finance from Alabama A&M University, as well as a Master of Business Administration degree from Florida Institute of Technology. Ron is the founder and CEO of SLJ Financial and Consulting, a boutique firm that specializes in financial coaching, tax and accounting services, business advising, and development. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the first guest to Three Deer Cross the Road at Noon, Mr. Ron L. Stewart. Hello, Mr. Stewart. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Stewart, on our podcast today. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Um, so uh, you are a financial expert, and our topic today is dealing with uh, finances. And we uh, we just got through studying um, this 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 uh, author who who said that um, students who are who took out uh, loans for financing education um, that they should have to pay that money back that they should not get a break. What do you think about that? Do students who have this big financial debt should they have to repay these loans? <laughs> that is a topic that hits close to home, considering that I have a significant amount of student loans. And I don't believe that we should have to pay these student loans back because we took out the loans to further our education, to give us a, a leg up in society, to put us in a different tax bracket. And how can we get to that tax bracket if we're paying half of our paycheck in student loans? So I do believe that there should be some type of incentive for us, you know, going to college and pursuing higher education. However, I do from the business standpoint, I do, but I do understand that they they are in a business of making money. However, we the students should not be your your um your your, your guinea pigs. In that, well, what in these that what these loans even fair? You know, uh, if you think about the cost of education, what it costs today compared to what uh, you know our parents pay for school. It's not even it's not even a fraction, you know. It's, it's no, it's not almost a thousand percent more. Um, I mean, I don't know if these loans are even fair. I mean, you asking the eighteen year old to saddle up, you know, thousands of dollars in debt. Exactly. They don't even have the capacity to, you know, you know, they don't. Even, some of them don't even own their own cars yet. They're still under their parents. You know. Exactly. It, that is what, and that I was about to make that point because I remember when I went to Dillard, which is I went to, I didn't graduate from Dillard, but I went to, I started my collegiate career at Dillard University. I remember being a sophomore, signing my first student loan, and my first student loan was nineteen thousand five hundred dollars. Wow, that's a lot there of money. There is no way in the world that a nineteen-year-old should be able to, to even fathom signing away that type of money. 
at 19, I couldn't even get a house or right. a car or even an apartment on my own. But you are, but you mean to tell me that I can sign off with a co-signer, of course, for $19,500. That's a lot of like, money. That is, for that is ridiculous. Yeah, that's and then on top of and then on top of that, even though Dillard was a private institution, and and then was another thing that my parents were in a, a tax bracket that did not afford me the opportunities to get any Pell grants, any federal money, like all of my money that I received in the form of financial aid to assist me into going to this college was in the it was in loans, like it was either federal loans or private loans and and the federal loans wasn't even enough to cover the amount of the tuition. So that should then let you know that <laughs> the type of bill that we were talking about. So and, and that was twenty years ago. So I can only imagine the amount of money that these students are paying now. So it, it's a lot. Even even for in state schools it's still a ridiculous amount of money that they have to sign away for these loans. Right. Now, one of the, the arguments that this guy makes, his name is Justin Wolf, and he's a professor of economic policy at uh, the University of Michigan. And so one of the arguments that he makes is, you know, that, you know, on the economic standpoint, it's just stupid to waste money on paying off uh, people's student loans. Uh, he said that he thinks that, you know, that we should subsidize um, school rather than pay off people's loans. Um, I just think that, you know, a different generation have a different perspective on uh, finances and, out and education. I, so I just want to ask you some, some quick, rapid questions really quick, and you can just, you know, answer them at your leisure. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. um, uh, first question, what's the most money you spent on a college textbook in your college? <laughs> okay, so I, can answer, so I can answer this two times, because so I went to college twice. Okay. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. So the first time when I was a dealer, I came in as a biology pre-medical major. So the, the most expensive money that I spent on a book at that time was probably between one eighty to two hundred dollars. Wow! Fast forward, fast forward seven years later, when I went to Alabama A and M, where I received my degree from, the most I spent on a book was, which was a corporate finance book, was two hundred and eighty-six dollars. I would never forget that. It was a brand new book. And when they gave, because I cussed when they told me the total, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. $286 for a book. Wow. That was the highest amount that I've in a book. That's almost uh, a pair of um, old school Jordans. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, okay. Uh, what was the, what, what's the money spent on a meal? Um, the lowest I spent on a meal? While you were in college. Yeah. When I was in college, the lowest amount I spent on a meal was no, the probably most the most money you spent. The most, oh, the most money. Oh, that was probably like a birthday dinner. Probably. So when you were in college, college you enjoy, did you enjoy fancy, <laughs> going out fancy and eating fancy when you were a college student? Um, when I was a college student, I did not eat fancy. Um, I typically ate off the budget menu. But when I did go out, I did splurge. And that was typically at like a, a casual fine dining restaurant, like your Fridays or your Chili's or something like that. But it was never like at a Ruth Chris or uh, something like that. Like, I don't even eat that now. <laughs> and I'm <All> almost 40. <laughs> okay. So what, uh, have you uh, – so you went to uh, – clearly at Dillard there was no uh, – the sports are part of the curriculum. It was a, a academic school, but at Alabama and A&M, um, you guys have a robust football program, and 
um, yes. a, a lot of uh, you know Division One, Division Two sports. So, um, what's the most money you spent on entertainment as a college student? <laughs> Definitely, it probably is the close to a thousand dollars, depending on if it's a. If, okay, let me break that down. So you have the regular games, you have your homecoming, and you have your classics. Of course, Classic is my birthday weekend, so I'm going to spend a little bit more. Homecoming is where, like, typically all of my family come in. So, of course, I'm going to spend maybe five, $600 throughout the whole weekend. Just a typical Saturday game, probably if I, if we decide to go get something to eat after, about 50 60 bucks. So, anywhere between $60 to $1,500. <laughs> and, you know, so it seems like, you know, on, on the whole, college is going to be expensive just for, you know, for just to have fun and to fit in, to blend in. So what advice can we give students who are, you know, who are new to college, who are going off to college and finance, they, they're, they're, started, they're 19, 18, 19 years old, and they finance their college on their own back, which means that they're taking out thousands of dollars of student loans. What, what is the, the best advice that we can give them? Do not get credit cards. I think that's a powerful piece of advice. I don't care what they offer you. They're going to offer you T-shirts. They're going to offer you thirst thirst bottles or, or what you call them, uh, thermoses. They're going to offer you all these free gifts to get you to sign up for these credit cards. Do not, I repeat, do not sign up for a credit card, especially if you have student loans. Because it's one thing to have student loan debt, but it's a whole other thing to have student loan debt and credit card debt because you don't want to be Fifty thousand dollars in student loan, have fifty thousand dollars of the student loan debt, and then on top of that, have twenty five thousand dollars of the credit card debt. Because when I tell you the credit card companies are way worse than the student loan company, so that's just something that you don't want to do. And second, I would tell them to live within your means. Do not try to keep up with the Joneses because you have to remember a lot of the people that you are trying to keep up with have already been through this process, and we know. And, and, and I get it, it's easier said than done because you're going to want to look good. You're going to want to have a good time. You're going to want to go out and have fun. Nobody wants to be bummy at college, right? No, nobody wants to be bummy at college. <laughs> <laughs> but you can do that without breaking the bank. And you can do that while still living on a budget and still maintaining a, a decent lifestyle. And also, don't uh, borrow all this unnecessary money because you will have to pay that back. <laughs> so do you think that is a, a prudent for a... Uh, college kids to get a part-time job? If they can withstand the the rigor of maintaining their academics and working part-time, I don't think there's anything wrong with it because the second time around when I went to a and I worked full-time and went to school full-time, but then again, I was in a different mind frame. I was in a different state of, you know, affairs. Um, but growing, going the first time around, um, I relied on my parents. I'm not ashamed. Um, but er- I, I understand that everybody does not have that option. So that if you can't afford to work a part-time job, I don't see anything wrong with it. I would suggest that you find a job on campus. That way you can subsidize some of your um, tuition. And that would be the best, like a work study job. But if you don't yeah, have a good start advice, uh, yeah, I think I didn't, I didn't have a job, but uh, it would have right. a lot having a part-time job. <laughs> but if your institution... If your institution doesn't offer work study, there's nothing wrong with going to work part-time in like a retail store because they, they will help you get clothes on a discount. And it will help you build up your resume, especially if you've never had a job. Because when I went to build up, I, I, my, my work study job was my actual first job that I've ever had. 
<laughs> so it actually helped me get other jobs because of that job. So. Okay, so I got to ask you this because uh, my, 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 my listeners are going to want to know this. When was the last time you seen a deer? <laughs> the last time I actually saw a deer was when I went to my grandparents' house. There's actually a family of deer that live behind their house. A family of them? A family of them, yes. Mom, dad, and fawns. I think that's what they're called. They're not fawns, right? Fawns, yeah. <laughs> so when you see these deer, were they like crossing the road or something? Or what, what, like, what were they doing? What was the situation? They, I was pulling into my grandparents' driveway, and they were running up into the into the um the I don't want to call it the wilderness because that seems like we live in the country, up into the the, the wooded area next to the house. <laughs> but I see deer quite quite often here in the in the valley. So is uh you know, Texas is number five in killing deer. What about Alabama? Do y'all kill a lot of deer out there? I don't know if we kill a lot of deer, but I know a lot of people hit deer. <laughs> especially, especially at night. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, one one lady suggested that the deer should get out the way. They should. Oh, wait, hold on. This is this their natural habitat. I mean, I guess I guess you could say that because we did inhabit their area. However, you need to pay attention to the deer crossing signs because if typically if there's a deer crossing sign, you're going to see a deer. <laughs> have you so ever um, have you ever seen a deer um, cause a catastrophic accident? I have not, but I have been traveling home one evening and I saw two to three deers run really swiftly in front of my car and it scared the bejesus out of me. Oh wow! <laughs> was it a buck or was it a, a, a doe? Do you know? It was the, it was the, it was the lady because it didn't have the horns, so it was right. a, it was a female. So it was a doe. Mm-hmm. Well, those can be a little bit ruthless, uh, especially if they're scared as well. Well, thank you, Ron, for joining us on our podcast, Three Deer Across the Road at Noon. And um, I hope that our little no advice here about college finances. And we look forward to having you back again. I look forward to coming back again. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, you just heard it. That's the deer call. That means that's our time. Thank you for joining us today on our first episode of Three Deer Cross the Road at Noon. We're getting closer and closer to discovering what that title means. I want to thank Ronnell Stewart for being our guest and his great and sound advice on college finances.